0: Hello, welcome to another MLEx podcast. James Paniki coming to you from the MLEX offices in Melbourne, Australia. Great to have your company. And as subscribers of our Shareholder Activist Service know only too well, it's been a roller coaster ride for Elliott Management, the world's largest activist fund, in its proxy campaign with South Korea's Hyundai Group. Many investors were reluctant to be seen as siding with Elliott in South Korea. And this created problems for the fund's campaign to win support for its efforts to obtain influence and dividend payouts from Hyundai Motor and Hyundai Mobus, which is a car parts company. And that led to the news that many had been expecting late on Friday. Elliott lost its proxy fight with the Hyundai companies, with shareholders rejecting the activist fund's proposed changes. Our New York-based senior correspondent, Jason Booth, has been covering the drama of Elliott's Hyundai Gambit. Hello, Jason. Uh, hello, James. Now, firstly, update us on the vote on Friday. How big a defeat was this for Elliott?
1: Well, um, it was quite an overwhelming defeat. Um, they really didn't get anything they were looking for um, as far as dividend payouts and uh, or board seats, which they were looking for. And uh, it wasn't even close, which is significant. Um, you know, Elliott's only lost one proxy fight in, the, in recent memory in the last 10 years or so. And that was also against a Korean company, Samsung C&T, um, when they were blocking their, opposing their merger with Chael Industries. And they lost that, but it was very close. Um, but in this case, it, it wasn't close. And it's uh, it was an important vote for them, not so much because they thought they might get everything they wanted to, but it was a, uh, it was it was a test of the support they might have for ongoing campaigns against Hyundai and other companies in Korea. Um, Hyundai is in the midst of a major restructuring, and Elliott wants to influence that. and They wanted to see how much support they had, and according to Friday's vote, they don't seem to have a whole lot of support.
0: And so obviously not a particularly encouraging track record for Elliot. but as I mentioned in my intro, it was about dividends and other board changes. Perhaps we could tease that out uh, a little bit. What exactly had Elliot wanted?
1: Well, primarily they had wanted uh, dividend payments um, in the tune of 7 trillion won, which comes out about $6.5 billion. And that was split uh, between Hyundai Motor and Hyundai Mobis. And... Um, They didn't get either of those, both of those were shot down. Um, They also wanted director seats. Uh, They wanted three seats at Hyundai Motor and they also wanted two at MOBIS. In MOBIS they wanted to expand the board from 9 to 11 um, in order to accommodate two independent directors. Uh, But above all, what they wanted, they're looking like any investor, they're looking for their money back. Uh, about a year ago, they purchased about a billion dollars worth of shares across the Hyundai group, primarily in Hyundai Motors and Hyundai Mobis. But since then, both shares have down quite substantially. So they are looking at um, a significant loss, at least on paper. So you know, they're looking for a way to uh, recoup some of their investment.
0: And now this proxy fight with Hyundai Motor and Hyundai Mobis was always going to be a tough one for Elliot, and you made that quite clear in your reporting ahead of the vote. But why was that? Why? I mean, what were the factors that would have made this an uphill climb?
1: Well, um, first of all, it's crossholdings. Uh, that's an issue with uh, most of the major Korean companies, the so-called Chebel, which are uh, primarily family founded and mostly family controlled even to this day and uh, they you know the founding family and the chung family are the founders of uh, of hyundai they still own about 30 percent of the shares of the two hyundai affiliates they uh, and also kia motors for example owns a significant stake in hyundai motors and kia is a part of the hyundai group and other hyundai companies so they had that hurdle to get over, and on top of that, uh, this particular case was opposed by Korea's National Pension Service, the, the National Pension, and uh, they owned about uh, 8 to 10% of each company, and uh, despite efforts by Elliott to convince the fund that they should be supporting them, they categorically, categorically rejected that and uh, and voted against it. So that's a large portion of the of the outstanding shares. Also, in this case, um international proxy advisory firms ISS and Glass lewis they both um opposed the the dividend payouts in particular. So that influenced some of the international investors as well.
0: and And do we know anything more about why those decisions were taken? I mean, the international proxy advisory firm, institutional Shareholder services, ISS, they decided, obviously, uh, to oppose Elliott uh, this time, but had supported them previously in yes. in other initiatives. So why was there a change of heart on that front?
1: Well, if you look at the last one they supported in um, in May of last year, uh, it was situation with uh, Hyundai Mobis was trying to do some reorganization, and Elliott was opposed to it, and ISS agreed with them, and as did uh, as did the National Pension Service. So. That uh, particular transaction, it was a merger between Hyundai Mobis and the logistics affiliate Hyundai Glovis, and that was opposed. Um, you know, that in a sense was a referendum on that particular deal, and it wasn't a referendum on Elliott. This time around, uh, you know, Elliott was making specific demands on cash payouts and wanted a seat at the table on the board, board seats. And, um, you know, to be frank, the the well, ISS, for one, and, and Glass-Lewis, uh, they decided, they agreed with uh, Hyundai's opposition uh, to particularly the dividend payouts. You know, Hyundai, uh, like many car companies, is going through a transition as it tries to adjust to electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and just changes in the market. And um, has said they need uh, to use a good deal of the money they have on hand to to finance those changes. And, um, you know, that's ISS and Glass-Lewis agreed with that.
0: And what's next for Elliott now that it has lost this vote? Is it, uh, will it simply head for the door and sell up everything it owns Mm -hmm. or will it remain uh, in Korea uh, with those investments? Well,
1: that's a good question. Um, And you look at uh, several years ago with their their proxy situation with Samsung CNT, uh, and they did, after they lost that vote, that close vote, they they sold their shares and, and left on that particular investment. Um so they have a precedent of doing that, but in a sense that was a different case. Uh you know, they were opposing a specific deal, and they had argued that if the deal went through, that it would destroy shareholder value. When the deal did go through, um it would make sense for them to to sell their shares and not participate in it anymore. And um they turned out to be right on that one. As far as the the, the current case with Mobis, um, they have made a lot of investments uh, in this company, and um, you know to leave now would require would result in a significant paper loss, which um, you know seems unlikely at this point. And also you know they have made progress at Hyundai you know last year as we've noted uh, Hyundai Mobis called off their merger and um, Elliot sees that as a, as a as a victory for them and last month Hyundai itself uh, in the current situation they proposed a smaller um, but significant dividend payout that um, was which has actually influenced uh, other investors and and um, was seen as a positive step um, and you know they argue that they wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Elliot's uh, Elliot's influence. So you know there is slow progress being made, and I think uh, they they are likely to keep at it for a while until see you know if they can influence the um, the further restructuring of the Hyundai Group.
0: This brings us to a slightly broader question: Why is Elliot so controversial in Korea, in South Korea? Is it a personal thing? Is it linked to the head of Elliot, uh, Paul Singer? Is he particularly controversial in the country?
1: Well. There are several reasons, and and it's certainly they are controversial. I mean, I've been told um, by other funds, and and Elliot uh, has complained about it themselves uh, that uh, that um, other funds are uh, not wanted to be seen to be affiliated with Elliot, because it might be seen as sort of a have a backlash effect against them as far as doing business in Korea. But as far as uh, th- there are several reasons why they're controversial. Um, for one, in this case, they would seem to be demanding too much. Uh, Hyundai had made concessions um, as far as dividends are concerned, um, but Elliott quickly countered and said, "No, we want significantly more." And um, you know, to a lot of people uh, in Korea, they appear to be putting their own financial interest ahead of the interest of the company and their employees. Which, for a fund like Elliott, may not be the the primary concern. But um, in, in many countries, in particular countries country like Korea, they that is a concern. And also, um, there's a there was a legacy fallout from the Samsung situation. They actually last year uh, sued the or attempted to sue the Korean government for uh, about 770 million dollars for losses they incurred on their investment in Samsung. And the reason they did that is because, after they left, it was found that um, there had been some political collusion. Uh, to influence the vote, or at least the vote of the National Pension Service. And this resulted in, in prosecutions in and in a wider uh, political scandal. But, you know, the the fact that, uh, that Elliot had sued the Korean government for such a large amount, which recently was actually thrown out of court, annoyed a lot of people and sort of added to the sense that, um, you know, they're, they're looking for as much money as they can get without a whole lot of concern for the local um, situation.
0: This would suggest that it is a matter of Elliott rather than uh, activist investors more broadly. I wonder if other activists might be taking a different approach given this background.
1: Well, they have been. And, um, you know, a very good example is currently we have uh, this group called the, um, what goes under the rather uh, direct name of Improved Korea. It's a group of investment funds led by US company uh, Dalton Investments, uh, which has been investing in Korea for 25 years or so. But uh, they also have teamed up with a local fund called KCGI, um, which is the largest activist fund uh, in Korea, and another Korean fund called Value Partners, Brandis Investment, and Sequoia Capital, um, and to sort of, uh, sort of as a lobbying group, um, sort of uh, putting out statements, uh, sending letters to political figures and the pension funds and and to the public um, arguing that uh, that corporate governance needs to be improved in Korea because it's it's creating what the, the so-called uh, Korea discount, the underperformance of the Korean stocks versus other Asian countries and pointing out that this is a detriment to uh, Korean investors, the so pensioners and uh, with an aging population um, that uh, that the Korean public's going to lose out because their their savings are not being invested well and not making a proper return. So, uh, you know, they've been trying this more um, broader diplomatic approach. And, uh, you know, it's yet to be seen how successful it will be or not.
0: So if we had to summarize the state of play at the moment, what's the status of Korean shareholder activism in general, do you believe?
1: Well, I think given what we've been seeing, you could say it's maybe stuck in the slow lane. Um, you know, we besides the Elliott situation, which was the big news Friday, there was, a, there was another very important piece of news that uh, um, I think is equally significant. And you know, KCGI, this Korean fund, uh, has been pushing for changes at uh, Hanjin KAL, the, the parent company of uh, Korean Airlines. And um, not only has the stock been underperforming, there have been scandals and, and criminal investigations regarding some of their management and um, Casey had been pushing to put uh, certain proposals on to, to investors on, on for a vote next week, uh, looking for improvements of corporate governance and uh, limits on director payments and the like. And um, the Korean court, uh, the High Court, actually last week blocked that. They uh, they said they couldn't go ahead with that because they agreed with Hanjin's argument that under um, Korean regulations, you have to hold stocks for at least six months before you can make a proposal to shareholders. KCGI took their stake in August and made their proposal in in January. So they didn't quite make that. Now, KCGI uh, will say that you can read the rules in different ways, but the court agreed with Hanjin. Now, that's an important uh, case because... um, you know, that uh, that rule itself will eliminate the uh, kind of event-driven activism that is very common in the United States, where a fund will, you know, following a major event, such as a merger announcement or a financial restatement or the like, they will jump in and take stakes and, and agitate for change and, and go from there. And many of the big cases you have right now in the United States uh, with Starboard Value and uh, Blue Mountain and P&G and uh, this uh, starboard value with uh, with Bristol Myers Squibb and Celgene merger, you know, those are both uh, current event-driven cases that would not be allowed under this uh, reading of the Korean rules. So that is a setback. Um, but that Hanjin case is also has another interesting sideline in that um, the National Pension Service, which ironically was the fund that blocked um, Elliot in their their campaign. For Hyundai is also pushing for change at Hanjin and is pushing through a proposal that is calling for the dismissal of their CEO and one of their directors because of alleged um, embezzlement. You know, and the courts, unlike with KCAGI, um, the courts actually have approved that to go forward. So, you know, what that kind of shows to me is that uh, there will be change in Korea, but it will be done by Korean institutions at the Korean pace with the consent of the Korean government, which could be slower and a less broad and uh, profitable than some of the international funds are looking for.
0: Okay, Jason, look, thank you very much for your uh, coverage and your analysis of the vote over the past week. It's obviously a fascinating moment for South uh, Korea, so thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you, James. Jason Booth is MLEX's senior correspondent covering shareholder activism. You can find a link to some of our reporting on this at the MLEX website. And while you're there, feel free to check out our other podcasts from MLEX reporters around the world covering a range of regulatory issues and boardroom intrigue. I'm James Paniki, MLEX's Australasian Managing Editor. From me and Jason Booth in New York, thank you very much for your company. See you again soon. Bye for now.